Good evening, everyone. Tonight is New Year's Eve, obviously. I don't suppose that's news for anyone. But I am glad to be here with you tonight to worship God, to be thankful for, to Him for what He has brought over the last year, but also look forward to a new year. As we get ready to worship, let's bow in silent prayer. The psalmist says to us tonight from Psalm 68, O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God, sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides on the heavens, the ancient heavens. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary. The God of Israel, he is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. Let's stand to sing.
Let's pray. Father, all the world over, there is no name like yours. And it's not to say that other religions don't also address their deity as God. It is to say there is no one who is worthy of that name, the divine one, the one to whom there is no one greater. No one is worthy of that name in the way you are. You have no equal. There is no one who challenges your power and is able to succeed. There is no one else who can bear the weight of our worship and carry that weight without any failure at all. You are perfect. You are wise. You are just. You are holy. You are good. You are the fountain of every good thing according to what we confess. And you are also, as James says, the one who is like, the one who rather uh, does not change. There is no shadow of turning with you at all. And as we end this year and look forward to the next, it is in that hope of your changeless character, but yet a character that is gracious and kind. That is where we root our hope. And so we come to you with that joy as we worship you tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This evening we have the privilege of praying for Seed Sports, a Redeemer-supported ministry and mission served by Michael and Nina Schaffsma, uh, Dave and Nebby's um, kids, uh, in Italy. Seed is not an acronym. Seed uh, is a word. Think of it like yield or seed the field. 
Uh, it's a sports-based sports uh, relational ministry that was begun in North Carolina in 1996. Seed Sports mobilizes churches and sports chaplains with access to relational models for ministry. Um, in the course of their work, they, their vision is to mobilize churches and chaplains through the universal language of sports, all sports. Sports opens the door to become a part of people's lives. It's a basis for developing relationships with the participants. Um, in nearly 30 years of growth, they now serve more than 100 countries on five continents. Uh, with a sport, with sports chaplains and uh, and related um, relational ministries, Michael and Nina um, Shaftsma Wright, we are so grateful that Redeemer is bringing our ministry before the congregation in prayer this month. We serve the Lord with a full realization of our calling, and we are as wholeheartedly given to the work as when we arrived 30 years ago this month. So join me now. Uh, in their prayer requests uh, as we bring them before our God, Creator and Savior. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray for the efforts of Michael and Max as they connect and share the gospel through seed sports as players, coaches, and friends. We pray for the participants in Michael's soccer team and Max's handball club that many will be touched by the testimony and respond to invitations to come to church events and come to know you, O Lord, as the real treasure of their hearts. We give thanks that the church in Putaluche has many new believers from last fall's evangelistic outreach. We pray these new believers grow in the Lord, in the Lord and love of Christ in life of fellowship and witness of Christ's, Christ's love. We pray for a couple of new believers whose spouses create conflicts over church involvement. We pray for them, dear Lord, to, to draw them closer to you. We pray for one believer, a nurse, who has been invited to come on the February medical mission trip to Ethiopia and that her husband will be supportive. We pray for the success at the church in Bergamo to train and establish more men in leadership roles there. Give them insight to serve the body of Christ. We pray for believers in the church of Milan, especially a dear sister gravely ill with cancer. We give thanks and pray this evening, Lord, for Michael and Nina, for seed sports, and for your blessings upon this ministry in Italy and around the world. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand and join in singing the song, O Great God.
Please join me in a prayer of thanksgiving this evening. <clears throat> Father, we have gathered to praise you. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. And that is what brings us here tonight. We stand in awe of your faithfulness. We bow, knowing that you alone are holy. And we thank you that you want our fellowship, our friendship. Hear our prayers, our praise tonight as we sing and as we pray. We raise the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word, a word that is filled with power and a word that is active, a word that shows us Jesus in his beauty. And make this word of truth and life come alive in us. May the knowledge that we belong to you give us great confidence as we go into this new year. In a world of great change and uncertainty, we have a foundation that cannot be moved. Our God reigns and does whatever he pleases. We thank you for all who are here tonight, young and old, and we pray for Pastor Dan this evening. Encourage him, strengthen him. May your spirit dwell on him as he speaks and explains the word tonight. We also pray for the collection that will be received. Give us joy as we give gifts to the king. And we ask this in the name of our returning Savior, the Lord Jesus. Amen.
Well, good evening. If you would open with me in your copies of Scripture to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. These times that, that we get to preach uh, around holidays and, and special occasions uh, can be pretty joyful. Uh, we get to choose a passage. We're not really bound by a series in particular. And so uh, we can think about the congregation especially and uh, what might be useful, what might be helpful for that particular occasion. Some of you might feel like this is the time for Pastor Dan to grind his axe uh, and really get to say what he would like to say. Uh, so if this feels particularly personal, uh, I can assure you that I'm thinking of all of you, uh, not just any one of you in particular. So tonight we're going to be looking at Psalm 107. Hear now the word of our God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to, to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their, their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness, and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of, the Lord, uh, of God, and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their heads down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts, the two, uh, cuts into the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they, uh, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in the songs of joy. Some went down to, ship, to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their, their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. 
Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers, he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow f fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord." So far, the reading of God's word. Let's ask his blessing on us now. Our great God in heaven, Lord, we know that you meet with your people now. And as we approach your word, we pray that you would give us the eyes of faith, that you would remove the scales of blindness that would keep, you, keep us from seeing your glory and your goodness. Build us up in our faith and in our hope and in our love, Lord, that we would be wholly dedicated to you and, and seek to serve you with our whole lives. And Lord, as we enter into this new year, we pray that you would renew our, our dedication and zeal to following after you. Lord, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I wonder how you are in times of trouble. Are you the type of person who uh, who is a stoic on the outside, you know, everything's fine, everything's good, we're going to make it through this, but inside you're melting in your heart. What is going to happen? Or maybe, maybe your, your heart's on your sleeve and every single thought that comes into your mind comes out of your mouth a second later and you're freaking out. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? Maybe it, it depends on the situation. Maybe you're better with some things, other things. You, things at work, you can weather that, but whenever things are, are causing trouble at home, you're a little less confident. This is a particularly relevant thing for Christians because we want to live life well. We want to live life well before the face of God. We want to live in a way that honors Him. What this Psalm, Psalm 107, in verse 43 says, whoever is wise, as, as followers of Christ, Christians are called to pursue wisdom, wise living, living that, that is in accordance with the way that God has created the world and is living in submission to him, that can be a really challenging thing. It can be a challenging thing when times are really good, but it can be especially hard in times of trouble, when things aren't going right. 
Maybe you look back on this past year and you can see those times of distress in your life. And you recognize, I, I did not handle that well. Did not handle that conversation with, with my, my child well. I, I didn't handle that dispute at work great that, that illness that came into my life for a period of time, I, I really just wallowed in the dirt the whole time. Didn't have many thoughts of, of God and, and of, of his care. I, I thought a great deal of how this was going to be the end of me. As Christians, we, we want to live wisely before the face of God, even in times of trouble. And that's really what our psalm is addressing tonight. What, what is the root? What is the source of living well before God in times of trouble? And it may be, may be clear to you, this, this sermon is especially directed to those of you who are in the church and, and maybe been in the church for a while, but there is application if, if you're not, if you're maybe watching online or you're visiting this is a message for every person because trouble will come into your life and you need to know how to live well. That's what this psalm is addressing. And so tonight, I want, I want you to see the picture that the psalmist paints of how the Lord delivers his people in distress. This, this psalm is kind of like the, this incredible painting with, with many different uh, smaller pictures within it that help us to see how, how we can live well. And so we're going to look first at four snapshots, then we're going to look at, the, at a frame, and then we're going to consider, last of all, how, how does this help us to live well? How to live wisely before the face of God? So considering first four snapshots, I'm sure many of you have received Christmas cards this year. Uh, many delightful pictures of families hugging. You know, it, that's how it always is, right? Everybody's smiling, well-dressed. There's, there's no stains on clothes. Everything is at peace and rest, no problems at all. Well, the, the main focus in our passage tonight from verses 4 to 32 is kind of like that snapshot card, but in reverse. You get four pictures of great distress and trouble that have entered into the lives of God's people. And each snapshot follows a similar pattern. We see that some are in trouble, then they cry out to the Lord, and the Lord delivers them. So, so each one is a little bit different, but follows the same pattern. The, the first is wandering in the wilderness, and if you've, you've ever uh, been misdirected by, uh, you know, the, the, the high overlords at Google or Waze or whatever app you use, and you're driving down the highway and you get redirected down that back road, and your, your toddler is convinced he needs to eat right then, and, and your, your infant is, is just done with it, and you keep on saying to yourself and out loud to your wife, we're going to make it to a town soon, and then we'll stop. And you keep driving and driving and driving, and, it, and it's irritating, and it's frustrating. There should be a gas station somewhere close. I don't know if that's ever happened to anyone, but it was even more dangerous and more frightening for an ancient Israelite to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere. 
There, there weren't gas stations. There, there wasn't food around. If you were in the wilderness, you were at most threat of death. Not just from hunger and thirst, which our passage notes, but also robbers for, for those who would want to do you harm. To be alone and isolated with no food and water in the wilderness. This is, you're on the verge of death. This is a picture of death. And we see this, this person real, recognizing that they are on the verge of death, that they are under threat. And they cry out to the Lord. They, they pray to God and pour out their hearts to him. Lord, I am hungry. I am thirsty. I am alone. I do not have protection. Protect me. And we read the Lord delivers them according to his steadfast love. The Lord satisfies their hunger and thirst. And, and the picture is not just physically, not just, not just food and water, but, but satisfies the, the longing they have of, of fellowship and community. It is a, a wholeness that only the Lord is able to provide. The Lord hears his people and delivers them. Likewise, we see a second uh, situation, a, snap, a second snapshot. There, you, you have those sitting in bondage. This is, this is a picture of, of someone who is in slavery, someone who has been delivered over to oppressors because of their rebellion to the Lord. And if you've ever read through the Old Testament, you know again and again God's people are being delivered into slavery because of their sin, because they disobeyed the Lord. This is, this is a pattern, a common picture for, for Israel. Judges is a, is a wonderful place to look to see this pattern repeated again and again. So the, the Lord delivers them into bondage. That doesn't seem like a good God. That doesn't seem like the God who delivers. That's the God who delivers them into the hand of, of the enemy. But we see, see really the focus. Verse 12, it says, So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. He humbles the proud. Those who stand against the Lord, he, he brings under this oppression that they would realize they're wandering from the Lord. And after they, they, they come to their senses, after they realize what they've done, they cry out to him. They've been humbled. Lord, deliver, save us. And we read the Lord shatters the bonds of, of slavery. The Lord delivers in this way as well. A third way is, is illness from foolishness. Their, their foolishness, they, they've rejected the way of the Lord. They've pursued after a lifestyle that is, has caused them harm. And so they are on, death, on the, their deathbed, waiting to pass at any moment. They are in trouble. And in, their, in, in being so close to death, they cry out to the Lord and the Lord heals them. He saves them by sending out his word. And restoring their life from, from near death and gives them a fullness of life that they might know him and worship him. A fourth snapshot that we see in this, in this uh, distorted 
uh, Christmas card is, is the distress of disaster. Sailors sailing at sea, and, and they're overtaken by a powerful storm, this, this mighty storm that threatens to destroy them. In ancient times, the sea was a, a picture of death in many ways because the sea was untamable, it was unknowable. It could be fine at one moment and, and choppy and, and, and even destructive in the next. The sailors, they, they recognize that they are under threat. They're in great trouble. And they cry out to the Lord on, on recognizing his power displayed in the created order. And what does God do? He stills the storm. He quiets it so that, that they no longer need fear. They, there is peace and harmony and they can go about their way. They can worship the Lord who has saved them. And I've, I've run pretty quick through this. I, I, I don't think many of you are wanting me to keep you until midnight tonight. But you can see in each one of these, these pictures, each one of these snapshots, the, the way the Lord is at work, the God's people recognize that they are in distress. They cry out to him and he delivers them. He provides for them in the very way that they need. And, and he does so miraculously. He brings them through the wilderness. He, he breaks bondage. He, he heals illness. He silences the storm. And maybe you feel some personal resonance with one or, or, or more of these stories. Maybe it matches your own testimony of the Lord's dealings with you in your life. I'm sure that you could add your own snapshots, your own testimonies of divine deliverance, maybe even from this year. That's, that's really the point. Each one of these stories is not meant to sit in isolation from each other. They're included together. They're packaged together that, that we would see this, this pattern of again and again. The Lord is the one who rescues his people. He is the deliverer. He is the one who will save. We see that, that this emphasized even more. We, we see the four snapshots, but then there is a frame Maybe you have one of these frames where uh, a frame where there's, there's images engraved into the frame itself to frame the picture, to set the picture in, in, in its proper context. You know, maybe words are written, my family, whom I love, or, uh, you know, trips that we went on or things like that to help provide some more context. And, or maybe, especially if you have young kids right now, you, you know the Jan Brett books right, the, the, the mitten, or my personal favorite, the armadillo rodeo, these ones where it's, it's a main picture in the middle, but then off to the side, there's these two smaller pictures that tell the rest of the story and, and help make sense of what's going on in the center. That's, that's really how verses 2, uh, two and 3, and then 33 and 42 are functioning in this psalm. You have the middle, but outside of it is a frame that helps us to better understand how all of these work together. And this framing of, the uh, of these snapshots is one of exile, deliverance from exile. 
If you look at verses 2 through 3, this, this is clear. It, it maybe is, is not as obvious to begin with, but, but look. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. The redeemed from trouble, the, the gathered in from the nations. This is a psalm given to us after the exile. A psalm that is, is meant to help the Israelites who've come out of bondage, come out of slavery, come out of a foreign land and come back into to the land that they might dwell where the Lord would have them. And it's here that, that the psalmist is, is, is recalling for Israel the, the way that he has delivered, the, the way that God has delivered them. Not just once, but this is who the Lord is. The Lord is the rescuer of his people. If you wanted to, to have a name that described God in the Old Testament, rescuer would be a great one. Again and again, he rescues his people from death and slavery and from sin. And even, even these four pictures, why were these selected, these snapshots? I think it has something to do with the fact that, that these come from language of, of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jonah, those prophets that would have been ministering just before as, as God's people are carried off into exile. Ezekiel 34 speaks of a, of a flock of God being scattered and wandering in need of help. They're wandering out in the fields and the Lord is going to gather them in and bring them into his, his people. Isaiah 9, we see a light has shone on those who sit in a land of darkness and the yoke of burden and the staff of oppressor has been broken. Isaiah 57 pictures Israel being struck down for their sin of unjust gain, but the Lord promised to heal and to restore those repentant in heart. And then I'm sure even as we were reading it, the account of, of the sailors on the sea, it, it sounds so very much like Jonah, doesn't it? All of these pictures that the psalmist is drawing off of, this, this is how Israel has been described in the past. And verses 33 through 42 reflect on the pattern of how God works all the time. That's what verses 33 through 42 are, are saying again and again. This is how the Lord works. He humbles those who are proud, but he delivers the afflicted and the weak and the needy. He, he delivers his people from bondage. He provides prosperity and care and peace because he loves his people. He is the faithful and consistent rescuer of his people. That's the picture this psalm is trying to portray and this would be incredibly value to a post-exile people who are coming into the land and they see their enemies stand against them and they wonder, does the Lord care? Will the Lord provide? 
what will happen to us as we go into the land. There's trouble abounding. And the psalmist is saying here, who is our God? The point is not the trouble. The point is the rescuer, the faithful rescuer of of his people. And it's not meant to just assure those saints of old. It's, It's meant to assure us, the church of God. It's meant to assure us here in this room tonight. Because what we see in this picture of of God as the faithful and loving rescuer of his people is the, the, the picture that is meant to be in our mind when we read the Gospels. And we see Jesus throughout his life again and again rescuing his people from their sin and from their suffering. Maybe if you think back over these stories again, you can think of of various people that Jesus helps, right? Those who are in bondage, captive to demons. Those who are like sheep without a shepherd. Those who are sick and ailing and the Lord heals. Those maybe even traveling with him who are are afraid of the sea about to consume them, and he silences the storm. Again and again, these these miraculous stories of, of deliverance that Jesus does is meant to point us to the truth that the same God who delivered his people in Psalm 107, that's who Jesus is. When you read the Gospels, you're meant to think of Psalm 107 and say, the God who delivers his people. This is Jesus. Jesus is the God of of the Old Testament who is faithful in rescuing his people. And this is seen most, most obviously and most magnificently in his death on the cross. Jesus entered into our trouble. He entered into our distress. that we would receive blessing and care, that we might be delivered. As, as Peter said in 1 Peter 1, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus is the faithful rescuer of his people. And all of these images, all these snapshots, the exilic context is meant to show us what Jesus comes to do for us, to to deliver us from our sin, to deliver us from the effects of sin, ultimately when he comes again. Psalm 107 points to the wonder-working Christ. And his love to save us. So the picture points to the pattern of Jesus. Now you may be wondering to yourself, how does this all connect to wise living? <laughs> Pastor Dan, don't forget you mentioned that at the beginning. This is wonderful. But, but living well, living wisely, how does this connect 
That's really the question we're meant to ask here in the very last verse, verse 43. It says, whoever is wise. This might sound like a, a weird turn in the road. Whoever is wise. It's because whenever trouble comes, when distress comes, it's then we're most prone to live foolishly. It's, most, it's at those times when the picture of trouble weighs heavier in our mind than the picture of our deliverer. It's at that time the, the noise of everything going on around us seems to drown out the noise of God. And it's at that point we are most at risk to not walk wisely before the Lord. We, we start to give in to those anxious voices that we feel in our heart. The Lord will not protect. The Lord will not provide. You must do this for yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. You need to lie. You need to cheat. You need to steal in order to be safe. To be okay, you must become your own rescuer. That is the lie that your flesh wants to believe when trouble comes. That God has forgotten you. That God does not hear you. That God does not love you. That's why we need Psalm 107. Because it reminds us of who God is. God is the steadfast rescuer of his people. He's this way. He is our rescuer, not because we're worthy, not because we're the good people and he likes to save good people. It's because we're the sinners. We're the ones who've turned away. We're the ones who rebel. We're the ones who are foolish. And yet he delights because of his steadfast love to save us. And it's when you're convinced of that, it's when that truth has so taken hold of your heart that when trouble comes, you can walk well before the Lord. You can live as, as if he is the Lord and ruler of your life. It, it's the thing that we want as Christians. I, I assume that's true of you brothers and sisters. This is what you want. And this is what Jesus gives. By the working of his spirit in your life, he works faith that you might believe that God loves you. It's like the most simple thing, right? God loves me. You could, you could think this sermon would be really trite, right? When times are hard, just believe God loves you. We could, we could say that really simply and, and, and say it in a really trite way and, and it would be meaningless. But as we, as we do the work this, this, that this psalm commends here in verse 43, we, we see that this is actually, the, it's not about adding more. It's about going deeper into the love of God that we would attend to these things. This is verse 43. That we would attend to the deliverance of God, that we would be reminded again and again of how he has delivered us 
both in the small ways throughout the years, but also in the big way of how he's delivered us from sin, that we would consider the steadfast love. When times of trouble come, we need to think about the God who loves us. Is a God that sent his only son, who is worthy of infinite praise, to die in your place. And if he did not spare his only son, will he not then give you all things that you need in this life and the life to come? Brothers and sisters in Christ, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Again and again and again, he never stops loving you, and he will never stop delivering you. And I know that voice in your mind right now that says, but, but, but there's that time. Lord, there's that time. That time when it didn't seem like you came through. When that bad thing really happened. That's true, God. You took that person from me. You made that bad thing happen, and you didn't save me. I think we need to be reminded of Paul here. Paul, who at the end of his life is facing execution at the hands of Roman oppressors. He writes in 2 Timothy 4, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Paul recalls God's faithfulness to deliver him from certain death. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. There are some things in this life that we do not see deliverance from. There are hardships, there are sicknesses, there are losses that we do not see deliverance from. But we can have the same confidence because of the love of God that the Lord will rescue us from every evil deed. If not on this side of the resurrection, on the other side of it. That when Jesus comes again, as C.S. Lewis has said, he will make every bad and evil, every suffering, every death come untrue. Because God loves us. And so, as you go into 2024, and you may be fearful of what may come, what illness, what loss, what trouble may come into your life, brothers and sisters, remember the steadfast love of the Lord who rescues you again and again and will ultimately rescue you from the grave at the end of the age. That is our hope and our comfort, no matter what year it is. Amen. Let's go to him now.
Our God, it is true that you have been our help throughout all ages. Lord, you delight to deliver your people again and again. Lord, we can recount your faithfulness to the people of Israel of old, but we can also sing our own song of your deliverances in our lives. Lord, may we meditate on these truths often. May we consider the love that moves you to save us, that would send your son Jesus on our behalf and and rescue us. Lord, may we not forget your love. May we not forget your faithfulness in, in this next year. But when you do, but when we do, Lord, remind us of these words by your Spirit, Lord. Sweetly comfort us with your care and your tenderness that we might believe that you will rescue us again, that you will not for, forget us, that you will not close your ears to us, but Lord, that you will rescue us again and again and ultimately on that last day. Lord, may that be the longing of our heart both this day and next year and all the years of our lives, Lord. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in response now, let's stand and sing to our God, our God, our help in ages past. Look up with the eyes of faith and receive this blessing from your loving Father. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.